uh, uh, to the women listening now, wherever you are in this world. Don't be afraid to step up and don't be afraid to say what you think. People will listen. Men will listen. Other women will listen. If you're smart and if you have something very important to say, or even not so important to say, I don't know, just say it. Be courageous. Don't be frightened of what people will think of you. Don't be scared of asking your partner to be an equal parent that will allow you to be not only a mother, but also a professional. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be afraid to pay for help for babysitters, for someone to help you prepare food or clean your house. You are not a superwoman. You're not omnipotent. You're not a God. You're a person. And if you want to fulfill yourself, you have to understand that you need to demand from your environment help. You can't do it all. You're just human. They're smart, they're talented, but just human. Once you recognize your humanity, you will be able to take all of the goodness inside of you and bring it to the world. So don't be afraid of your voice and don't be afraid to ask. Hi, welcome back to Macademia. I am Dr. Ofer Izar Barnea and I'm with Dr. Elena Itzkovich for another episode of this great podcast. Here, we explore the different ways science and scientific careers can develop outside of academia. Before we introduce today's guest, we would like to invite you to join our Macademia group on Facebook to follow our account at MacademiaP on Twitter. And if possible, to subscribe, rate, or even review our podcast at your favorite podcast app, such as uh, Spotify or Apple Podcasts. This, uh, of course, supports us and supports others to join the important conversation as we explore different ways of how science is much more than just academia. And I want to welcome our guest for today, a friend, a great, a great lab mate in dire times for me at least, uh, but more than that, a brilliant scientist and nowadays the co-founder and CTO of Fight Alone, Dr. Tal Zeltzer. Hi Ofer, hi Lena. What a hi, pleasure. Hi, welcome. Thank you, and thank you for inviting me, it's an honor. It's our pleasure, really. So, Tal, let's start with today. What, what is, so you're the co-founder of Phytalon, a, a, a rising star in the Israeli biotech uh, ecosystem, specifically mm -hmm. in, I guess, food biotech, right? Is, what is Phytalon? So, uh, Phytalon is a startup company, and uh, Phytalon actually... Uh, utilizes fermentation sciences um, to uh, to produce food colors without natural food colors without using any plant or any plants or agriculture. So it's basically plant free uh, natural food colors. And how we and how do we do that? We utilize yeast. We use yeast. We ferment our own specialized yeast uh, to generate pigments from nature. So basically, Fadalon has uh, two, two basic uh, products. We have pure purple color, which is the purple color you can find in red beets, the natural purple color. 
And we have pure yellow color, the yellow color that you can find in other yellow beets or cactus fruits. Our pigments are called beta lines. They've been used to color food for many years and they've been, and they've been actually consumed by humans for hundreds of years, um, being parts of, uh, of edible plants. Um, they're known to be very safe, not just safe, but also very healthy. They're very strong antioxidants. They have known health benefits. So basically, phytolon takes a natural production way, yeast fermentation, and combines it with metabolic engineering to generate natural uh, pigments, the beta lines. And by doing so, we're introducing to, uh, to the ingredient world uh, pigments without any residues of plants. And um, we, we already see in Fadalon that, that this method, that this system to, um, uh, to bring to, to the food industry pigments without any plant residues um, generates a very, um, a very high quality product. We see that our beta lines are, most sta are more stable than beta lines that you can find in plants because our product lacks lacks uh, molecules that that uh, that reduce the quality of the plant of, of of the of the pigment as it's extracted from plants and not only that we're actually promoting a very um, a very important uh, uh, a, a very important method which is um, relieving the need to use um, to use agriculture and use fermentation instead Agriculture is up is 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 not sustainable. It's uh it's and and by just you know taking all these lands and watering them to uh to produce plants that are being used just to color food. It's not the, the food itself. It's just the color. Uh, we think that these lands can be utilized for uh, for other uh, for other uh, purposes like growing agriculture for food. Or using the land, or using those lands for for any other uh, purpose, but generating natural food colors. So this is basically it. Phytalon has recently uh, closed its uh, round A of financing. We've been around for two and a half years. We have uh, we are pretty developed in our uh, in our product development stage. Uh, we have uh, POCs for any for any production stage. We've reached uh, the point that the company. Uh, produces a product with uh, with uh, with a strong economical base. Uh, we've already have shown the scalability of the system, and we are when we have already started our uh, our tox screens for FDA approval. We're oh, ten, <laughs> ten um, nine full time employees in north of Israel. Uh, Just four nine, PhDs, four PhDs. Uh, the rest are engineers. That's it. Incredible. So, do you have plans of um, of making other colors? How, how difficult is it to? Because you said you have purple and yellow. How yes. difficult is it to create other colors? So, in the natural food coloring world, um, it's really important not 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 just the uh, uh, the property of the color itself of the pigment, not just the pigment itself, but also the chemical properties of the pigment. It means, does it soluble, is it soluble in water? Is it soluble in oil? How easy it is to incorporate the, uh, the colorant in the food processing system? And, uh, and Phytalon has a pretty serious advantage uh, because we have a water-soluble yellow color. 
Most of the yellow color in the food coloring world comes from carotenoids. Carotenoids are oil-based molecules. And, um, and, and the red colors, on the other hand, are other betalines from beets or anthocyanines from, um, uh, from other plants. These are water-soluble molecules, and it's pretty tough to mix them together, even combine them in the same food preparation process. So in phytolone, our molecules do not just just uh, share the production way, but they also share their chemical properties. So by generating water-soluble purple and water-soluble yellow, we have the ability to, uh, to create a palette of colors all the way from purple through pink, red, orange, yellow, different shades as, 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 as required by our potential clients or our potential mm -hmm. partners. And uh, the, by doing so, we have um, we, we are pretty much compatible for 70% of the food coloring market. Mm -hmm. And we're competing for a market size of about $3 billion a year. Wow. Yeah. It's impressive. In just two and, a half, two and a half years. Two years. It's actually been two years and one month since, uh, since we opened our labs, since we started working in the labs. You know, Firelong is a startup, so uh, we we started as um, you know three three people with uh, what we what I call the uh, three people with used and dusty laptops in a room, <laughs> and we didn't have anything. Now Phytalon, and I have to uh, and I have to say Phytalon was established um, after um, um, a pretty successful. Um, uh, incubator in Israel, the Trendlines Group. So Phytalon basically leverages uh, a technology that was developed in the academy. The technology was developed in the lab of, the, of, uh, of Professor Asaf Aroni in the Weizmann Institute of Science. And, um, and what they saw in the Weizmann Institute is a very interesting uh, phenomenon. Um, Asaf Aroni's lab, they're, they're a lab that, uh, that focuses on metabolic engineering and uh, not just metabolic engineering, but metabolites in plants. And for many years, they, uh, they, um, their scientific question, not the industrial question, but the scientific question was what are the genes that are responsible for the betalane pathway in plants? When they answered that question, they decided to do a simple experiment, take these genes, clone them to expression vectors, and insert them into yeast and see if the yeast generate the same pigments as the plants. And it was pretty surprising for them that the yeast did not only produce the pigments, but they also spontaneously secrete the pigments to the extracellular environment. Is, is it just one gene or is it a, a family of genes? It's uh, several genes, it depends on the color, if it's yellow mm -hmm. or uh, purple. And, uh, and once they saw that the yeast spontaneously secrete the color, um, they immediately knew that this, uh, that this uh, phenomenon has, uh, has an economical advantage because once you have a cell um, uh, uh, engineered to generate a product, but the cell mm -hmm. is not included in the final product because it's very easy to separate the yeast from the color you have a product that is GMO free and can be further engineered uh, to, uh, uh, to produce more amount of color for the same, um, 
for the same amount of sugar, means it is economically benefit. So once they, they understood that this, um, uh, that this invention has, uh, has a very strong economical base, they stopped the research, they transferred all of the data to Yeda, to the commercial the, the, arm. The transfer. Yes, the commercial arm of the, of the Weizmann Institute. Mm -hmm. And uh, they wrote a patent and they submitted it. Once the patent was uh, submitted, uh, the trend lines group, our incubator, uh, picked up the patent and decided to build a, to build a company around it. Uh, the first, uh, uh, the first uh, founder uh, that was, uh, that was uh, uh, actually found by Yeda, uh, by, uh, by Trendlines to, uh, uh, to establish the company was, uh, was the CEO, my partner, Dr. Khalim Jubran. They knew him from the industry and from the academy. And they knew that, uh, that Khalim has the ability to, uh, uh, to promote this project uh, strongly as a CEO. So he was not he was not part of the Weizmann research group. No, he was not part of the Weizmann research group. And he wasn't also a partner a part um, part of the incubator. So they they recruited him. Yes, they recruited him. He joined hands with our second co-founder, Dr. Guy Poltuak, uh, who is the inventor of the technology from the Weizmann Institute. They raised the seed money from the Israel Innovation Authority. And then I joined the project as a, ferment, as a fermentation specialist mm -hmm. and, uh, and the genetic engineering specialist because I had the technical skills. You know, I had the, uh, the overall technical skills to take this, uh, this technology and transfer it to the, uh, to the industry. I think it's actually a good point to, to stop and go back. So you say you had the knowledge uh, to lead this project technically, uh, mm -hmm. but you didn't work in a in the biotech before, right? Right. It, it, this is actually my first job. <laughs> my first <laughs> job at 35. <laughs> yeah, I know the feeling. <laughs> I still didn't, didn't have one yet. <laughs> so uh, you did your PhD in um, in what exactly? Okay, so I think I'll begin from the beginning. Yes, please. <laughs> um, uh, I, uh, I majored in biology because I wanted to be, to be a DVM, a doctor of veterinary medicine. Hmm. That, that was it's, my it's, it's a very, yeah, it's a very um, competitive um, route in Israel. I don't know how it is in other countries, but in Israel, it's one of the, the more competitive ones. Yes, it is. And uh, I wanted to be a Dr. Dulio. That was my dream. <laughs> um, and, uh, and I, 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 I started studying biology, but, you know, from, from the first semester, the first time, uh, I, I, I remember Professor Maurice Eisen, uh, he's a faculty member at the chemistry uh, faculty at the Technion. He was my, uh, he was my, my chemistry teacher at my first year during my BSA studies. And I remember the first time he got into class and started talking about molecules. I knew that I would never be a vet. I just knew it. I, I, I understood it from day one. I, wow. I, I was so enthusiastic by chemistry, by organic chemistry. And then when I started studying uh, 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 life sciences, uh, microbiology, biochemistry, which completely threw, threw me away. 
I just knew that I was really fascinated by everything that you can see just under a microscope, all types of microscopes. <laughs> <laughs> from, from light to SEM, I knew that this was my thing. And, um, and uh, during my, um, uh, my, my bachelor's degree, uh, I, I, I conducted a project and uh, my project was actually uh, detecting uh, different proteases in nature that hydrolyze, uh, that hydrolyze protein and use them as carbon sources uh, for industrial purposes. And, uh, and then I, I, I just knew that I needed to do something that has a purpose, not just to, sci not just to answer a scientific question, but I knew I wanted to do something that has a meaning in you know, what I called then the real life. The real <laughs> life is the industry because I, I, I really wanted to have an, an, an everyday impact on people's lives. And once I understood that, that I wanted to, to impact the way, um, the way we, um, uh, we make industry in, in this world, uh, I took this with me and I continued to do my master's degree on enzymes that convert uh, oil to um, uh, to biodiesel, mm. looking at it, looking at uh, the um, uh, the environmental perspective of how we can utilize unused oils or plant-based oils to produce gas. And um, I think that around the time I uh, I, I I graduated from uh, from my master's, my MSc. I, I understood that there is a niche, a very small niche, not just in Israel, especially in Israel, because it still is a niche in Israel, a very, a very required niche in the industry called fermentation sciences. Hmm. And uh, and just I, I I visited a fermentation facility uh, uh, just here in the north of Israel that has a fermentation tank. Its size is uh, twenty five thousand liters which now I know is pretty small. <laughs> but then it, it, it looked like, like, a, like a complete giant. So and you mean I, back, back then in the, during your master's? Yes, back then, during my master's. It was a random visit. It Just, has nothing to do with my, uh, with my studies. It was a random visit in a fermentation facility. I can tell you that I have a, get, a very good friend that lives in the kibbutz here in the north of Israel. The fermentation facility is in the kibbutz. It's in kibbutz Dalia. And the fermentation facility is called Biodalia. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I visited my friend and, uh, and I saw the facility just as we drove by, as I drove by to his house. And I immediately understood that there is a giant fermenter there. And I looked at it from the outside and I just understood that that there is a that that there is a that there is great potential to take this tank and just grow in and 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 manufacture um, materials that are now being manufactured by 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 polluting methods and systems like agriculture. You know, there is a lot of hype around the plant-based. Uh, uh, meat industry nowadays, right? Yeah. And but 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 agriculture is 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 not a sustainable method to to produce almost anything. 
It, used to, it utilizes land, it utilizes fresh water. It, its CO2 emission is pretty high. And, you know, by, and of course, it's, it's, it's weather dependent. It's seasonal. Uh, as, opposed to, as opposed to the fermenters, right? So when you can control and, everything, yeah, you can control everything. It is not it is not affected by the environmental, but the, by the environment. It is not affected by rain. It is not uh, it it is not affected by summer. Uh, it is an all year round facility that can, that can that can produce almost anything you can imagine nowadays. But the, the challenge is, of course, to make it economical. And by, by thinking about, uh, about my, uh, I'm talking 2011, just before I started my PhD. So when I thought about, okay, this is what I want to do. I want to grow things and make them do good stuff for the universe. I understood that I have to perform a little mental change and think about where I can um, where I can study the best set of tools to be very good at this specific area. Mm. Because you know, when going into the academy, the first thing you think about is I want to publish as many papers as possible. And that leads you. And I think that in some ways, this is a trap because you think about how to publish papers, but you don't really think about the methods that you acquire along the way, the other skills that are important out there, not just how to you know, make science to generate scientific publications. You know, they do, these two don't always go hand in hand Sometimes you miss opportunities and, you know, stay focused on your little niche, your two, three proteins, your blotting method, your cloning method, uh, your ELISA system, just to publish more and more and more. And I understood that if I want to be good in the industry, I need to take these dreams and maybe just put them on the side and concentrate on what will be important for me as a future, I don't know if I thought future CTO, but as a future uh, a manager in the industry. Of course, technical manager, scientific manager. And this doesn't... It's very, uh, you know, ad advanced, sophisticated way of thinking before, even before your master's, but also before your PhD. Do you have an idea why, sort of what gave you this sort of very realistic, very sort of um, this sort of approach that that's sort of this way of sort of analyzing your, your own career? Because I think it's very different from what usually people do. Um, so what gave you the tools to be so practical so early on? Um, well, I'm a very practical person. <laughs> um, <laughs> But uh, I think that uh, I, I, I understood very early on that you can't have it all. Mm -hmm. and, that, uh, and, and that you really need to focus your efforts on where you want to be. Um, and to me, I, I, it was obvious to me that I, 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 
I will do a PhD. I will be a fantastic scientist. Um, but I didn't want to find myself lost four years from uh, from from the beginning of my of my PhD. Now, that that was also very. I think it was very clear when I selected my PhD advisor. Uh, when I came to the Faculty of Biotechnology and Food Engineering at the Technion, I, uh, I, I applied uh, for the lab of, uh, of Professor Yuval Shoham. And Professor Shoham is probably one of the only, I think it's, I think it's the only or one of two um, uh, 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 academy faculty members that have uh, fermentation tanks and are really good at what they do. Uh, his name goes in front of him, as they say in the Israeli industry. And uh, when I and we ex and and he accepted me to the lab, and I remember that I sat in front of him on my first or second day of my PhD, and uh, he asked me, "Well, Tal, what what project did you select for yourself? Because uh, Yuvan's lab has two arms. has He has an arm that studies uh, biochemical properties, uh, structure, function of." Um, of, of, of glycosyl hydrolases. These are enzymes that, uh, that utilize the plant cell wall and just hydrolyze it into simple sugars. And that is very biochemistry uh, um, with a very good foundation in methods in the lab. And the second arm is, um, involves uh, studying regulatory mechanisms in a, bacteria, in a bacterium named Clostridium thermocellum. Clostridium thermocellum has the ability to hydrolyze the plant cell wall and ferment it directly into ethanol in a process that we call consolidated bioprocessing, where you take, uh, where you take basically debris from the field. You know, the 90% of the field that we don't eat, mm -hmm. the cellulose, and, and that this bacterium can take this cellulose and convert it into ethanol that can be used for transportation fuel. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and this is, uh, and this is performing, uh, performed in fermentation tanks. Right. And I immediately told Yuval, you know, without even thinking, Yuval, I want a, a project in fermentation. And he looked at me and he, and he has this, this look in his eyes. <laughs> why, why is she doing this to herself? This is a prototype. <laughs> And and he told me, you know, if you take if you if, if, if you take a project in biochemistry, you can finish your PhD with ten publications. If you take this project, I don't know if you can finish with even one. And uh, and I, I don't know. Unfortunately, I was born with uh, with uh, with a very strong desire for uh, um, for challenges. <laughs> And for me, it was a no-brainer. I regretted this no-brainer a few times <laughs> because it was really <laughs> tough. Uh, but I immediately told Yuval, Yuval, I want a project in fermentation sciences, and uh, I want to uh, I want to learn as many tools as possible during these four years. You know, because looking at my at, at my PhD, and I always told myself, no matter how difficult, no matter how tough this will be. This is a journey, a four-year journey. For me, it was 2012 to 2016. It's, it's a four-year journey, and I need to pick up as many tools as possible during this journey to be a completely different professional, the best scientist I can be in 2016, to be ready wow. to 
to be competitive at the market. Because I know that the market sees us, the PhD students, even the doctors, as, um, I don't know how to say it nicely, as, <laughs> as a product. Because when, once we finish our PhD, we need to, we need to bring results. You know, these results can either be publications, they can be grants, or they can be um, uh, the, the ability uh, uh, to take a technology and make it um, and make it economical. And because I knew what I wanted to do, I knew I wanted to perform upscaling to do fermentations. I knew I was headed towards the industry. I knew I needed to learn as much as possible at uh, the small, tiny, nice, sweet, warm incubator of the Technion uh, before uh, introducing my skills into the industry. <laughs> I think you're the first person I ever heard calling uh, the Technion warm. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> if anyone else is uh, listening that is not coming from the Technion, Technion is considered one of the toughest, most sort of difficult, challenging places to be studying in. Tough doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean it's not work. But the, <laughs> the faculty, at least the biotech and food faculty that, I, uh, that we both know, uh, I, we, me and Tal are familiar from there, uh, that's um, kind of a warm place. I got a lot of friends from there, from yeah, and very supportive. It is extremely tough. It is tough, but uh, and of course the um, uh, um, it, it's 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 not just tough. It's challenging because it's demanding, and you need to and you need to uh, to really maintain a very high standard uh, if you want to be appreciated in the faculty, and of course if you want to uh, if you want to succeed. In your PhD, uh, you need to work hard a lot. I I, I was pregnant uh, twice during my PhD studies, and uh, I, I I always tell even now even my team members at Finalon I always tell them like interesting stories about me, not being nine months pregnant and I had the fermentation process uh, going and uh, I was nine months pregnant with my uh, with my older child which was born in August so it was August. And I was nine months pregnant in Israel. <laughs> <laughs> Not fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's. Uh, uh, um, I'm sure that. Uh, I'm not sure that everyone is familiar with uh, how hot it is in Israel in August, and uh, I did a 24-hour shift around my fermenter, being nine months pregnant in August, uh, because I had this process that needed to be sampled uh, uh, about every two hours. So uh, it was tough, but still comparing uh, the academy to the industry, uh, it's, uh, uh, it's still warm, it's still considered warm because you have a lot of time to correct your errors. Mm -hmm. And you have a breathing space. You don't have investors, you don't have uh, a board of directories. You don't have a team that you need to answer to, usually. Mm -hmm. So it is tough, but the responsibility is completely different. Right. Tal, I wanna, I wanna, so you described in great details that you mapped out professionally what you see yourself at the end of the PhD, which is mm -hmm. something we, we iterate in many, many interviews here. 
is map up your map, map your values, see that the the professional academic route that you're you're taking match up, and and the the end result the U at the end matches up what what you think will be the next what will suit the next stepping stone. So you did all of that in the PhD level, which is amazing. With and and. For, for everyone who is considering a PhD course, even if it's doing a master's or a direct PhD in Israel, how it's called, take the time and do that. That's like one of the first messages. So that is all professionally. You wanna be a fermentation scientist. You went to the best to learn and you picked mm -hmm. something against all odds, which is brave, but you, you, you knew what your end goal is. Ended up your PhD and then you hit the job market. My question before what happened in that, like, whoa, I am, I'm, I'm out of academia now, what I'm doing is, aside from the professional scientific skills as a fermentation scientist, what soft skills you felt you could and should have acquired or at least offered to acquired during those four years of a PhD, as a PhD? Okay, Ofer, this is a great question because I can tell you that when I finished my PhD, I was not just scared, I was terrified because you work towards something for so many years. I was 11 years at the academy. You work towards it, you think about it, you plan it, and then you submit your thesis, you get your grade, and you, and you take a deep breath and you ask yourself, okay, so how do I approach this? I worked so hard to get here and I was, I was terrified. And the reason I was terrified is because I, I, I you know, we all, we all perform a huge buildups in our heads in order to, uh, 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 to satisfy to satisfy our inner selves while we're we're taking this path, because being in the academy, MSc, PhD is so tough. It's a really tough road, and you need to be and, and you need to have a real strong will in order to complete it. But in order to do so, you also need to tell yourself stories about how life would look like once you finish, and then you're done. You get this huge V on the PhD, on the PhD square, and you ask yourself, okay, so what do I do now? Now, to me, I, 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 I finished my PhD with two small uh, kids. My, uh, I just gave birth to my second daughter. My older daughter <laughs> was a year and a half years old. Oh, wow. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> You know, in my uh, during my uh, my PhD ceremony, uh, I saw I, I I heard my uh, my youngest daughter. She was a month and a half year old, <laughs> and and throughout the ceremony, I heard her crying, <laughs> <laughs> and 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 I was like, what is this? What is this crazy new world that I was introduced to? I'm a PhD. I'm a new mom. I have two really young babies. Um, what, what am I doing now? So when I applied to Yuval's lab during my PhD, I knew that he was a very strong uh, professional uh, person. 
but I had no idea uh, that he was such a good person and a good mentor as well. And uh, a year after graduating, uh, in, in the year after graduating from my PhD, uh, I, uh, I had a position in Yuval's lab and he basically let me do whatever I wanted to do. <laughs> <laughs> As uh, I wrote grants, I, uh, I completed a few, uh, uh, a few smaller scientific projects, but additionally, I was, uh, I, I, I was also granted the, um, uh, the privilege to bring a few, uh, a few outsourcing projects to Yuval's lab at the Technion from, uh, uh, from small startups that needed a proof of concept in upscaling implementation. And that is how I was introduced to uh, the Israeli startup world. And uh, by doing so, I had an amazing year. It was, it was fascinating. And I, and I was able not only to see great science being done in the industry, but I, was also, but, but I also had the, um, the privilege to learn from others' mistakes. Uh, I saw very young companies that I saw that are not taking their product to the right uh, uh, to the right direction. They didn't think about productivity. They didn't think about the price. They didn't take into account the method of fermentation. And uh, and I I and I just I build in my own head what I wanted to do in the industry by seeing other companies around me. Some were successful, some were struggling, and that helped me uh, base myself and understand what my position, my future position in the industry should be. Mm -hmm. And I saw the entrepreneur in me, and I saw uh, uh, the integrator in me that I was able to take a project and just integrate a few pieces together. And I saw that I'm pretty good and designing scientific experiments in large scale and just making them happen. And when, when the time came and I started looking for a position outside of the Technion, uh, I really took my time uh, and I waited for something that really, uh, uh, that was a good fit for me, for my personality, for, for my ambitions because of what Yuval gave me, which is the privilege of having a, 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 a position at the Technion, a researcher position at the Technion uh, under his wings in his lab as a PhD already. And uh, I, I, I applied for different jobs. I can tell you that there were a lot of job interviews that I was really bad at because I didn't suit the job. And I, I immediately recognized in myself that, okay, I don't really want to do this. I don't want to be this type of specialist. I don't want to work in this company. And it really affected the interviews. And it also brought me down uh, for, 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 uh, for um, I don't know, a few months that I couldn't, I didn't find myself. Uh, and, I even started thinking that I needed to compromise, you know, I needed to start somewhere. And then um, I had a really interesting conversation with a very good friend of mine that has known me for many years. And I told my and I told him, 
I don't know what I'm doing. I've been looking for a job. It's been six months. I've been interviewing for all these positions and I'm, and, and, and I'm really bad at these interviews and I don't know why. And he just, you know, it, he put it in front of me, the truth. He told me, Tal, just, you know, um, think very good on what you want to do in your life. What is six months? What is a year in your, in your, when you look at your entire life as, you know, as your life project? Just take your time and wait for the right opportunity. Even if it means that you need to work in something that is not related to what you studied. Even if it has to be, you know, just a, a technical job at the Technion that you should continue in, but wait for the right opportunity and don't settle for positions that you think that are not suitable for you because you will not be able to, to fulfill all of your, uh, uh, um, all of your uh, uh, qualities in this position, all of the things that you know that you can bring to the table. Just wait for the right one. And I took a deep breath and I took his advice and uh, I just waited for the right opportunity to come. And uh, just, you know, three, three or four months before, maybe it was two months before Phytolon was established, I was approached by, uh, by, by Guy, our co-founder. Mm -hmm. And he remembered me being a fermentation specialist. And he told me like this, Tal, something is going on. <laughs> there, is a, there, is, there is a plan to launch this company and uh, it involves fermentation, it involves yeast, it involves uh, genetic engineering, and uh, you're right for this position. Come meet Khalim and uh, see if you can uh, build this project together. And I met Khalim, my co-founder and my partner, and you know, it was like, it was a match made in heaven. You know, it took us, <laughs> It took us five minutes to understand that we're the right team, and that we will make a very good team together. And, uh, and uh, that is how Phytolon uh, started, but it was a bumpy road. I had a pretty tough year before it, just understanding that I don't want to, uh, to settle for something because I will not be able to fulfill all of my, uh, all of my good traits and, so you said that Guy approached you because he knew you're a fermentation scientist. How how has he heard about you or, or met you? Or well, there's a, big there's a big conference in Israel called the uh, uh, Ilanit. Yeah, it's a very large conference that uh, that uh, that really all of the scientific community joins together. It occurs once in every three, and in Ilanit, 2017. I was nine months pregnant, <laughs> which made me, I guess, pretty memorable because it was pretty big. <laughs> and, uh, and, and Guy uh, knew Yuval's lab and he knew that uh, there are high quality fermentation sciences uh, going on uh, in Yuval's lab. And uh, that is how uh, we were introduced. Mm. Right. So go to go to scientific meetings. <laughs> yeah, it always picks off many 
the aspects of the process that we uh, we talked about in, in the podcast that we were doing is that you need to open yourself up and as you as you mentioned you had your end goals it was very tough it was very tough ending up like this all this rumble and like you your daily occupation ends up in like one submission and then what i'm doing and you just have your thought your thoughts to go on with so you knew your values and you open yourself up for talking about what you're feeling and what like what are you planning ahead and it's resulted in more stamina to wait for this exact right opportunity okay so now let's let's talk about about establishing establishing a company so co-founding or founding a company is not is not just scientific there is a lot to it and as a small team of three i guess mm -hmm. you you're 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 brought aboard as a fermentation specialist but i guess you got involved in many other aspects of the company which are not necessarily science so how was how was the journey for you of founding a company around the scientific idea um so first of all it was um, and it still is um it's it demands for me to be on a constant route of 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 improvement um you you start by first of all we uh, our incubator gave us um, um, a very warm blanket of teaching us how to do business because uh, me and Khalil we keep laughing about you know we're scientists <laughs> we're PhDs <laughs> what do we know about raising funds but uh, but it turned out that we know we just didn't know that we know and uh, we received a very uh, a very strong support from our incubator and being an incubation and being a company inside an incubator, we also had the privilege to uh, uh, to have assistance in many in many aspects of the uh, of the of the administration. Now, running a company is a lot of admin work. You know, you don't have the uh, you don't have a chemical warehouse that you can just order your stuff from, <laughs> and you need to learn how to. Uh, how to withstand very strict budget and very strict and very strict milestones, because uh, we don't have to answer any any questions that are involved the uh, 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 the scientific area. That's you know we don't have to you know the scientific questions are trade secrets of the company, and but we, we do have to reach a very very specific. Um, at bottom line, which is economically beneficial system that works, not only in lab scale, but also in industrial scale. So when the company was established, the first thing I asked myself, even before we had a single yeast cell in our hand, is how do I build a healthy scientific platform and a healthy scientific platform, when looking at the industry scales, it's cheap, scalable, simple to operate, but also has a very deep scientific roots that the company can build its future IP on. 
because when you start a company, you don't only think about what can I do with this technology that I have in my hand. You need to make sure that you know how to maintain the value of the company, just a, not just a year from now, not two years from now, but decades and two decades. So you construct your technology in a way that is sophisticated enough to have not only to have a scientific value that is connected to an economical value. Because we have a very defined bottom line and that's profit. Now, an additional matter that we need to consider in the industry is of course regulation. Wait, <laughs> you just finished PhD. You saw a little bit of how they sort of other companies um, transfer their products and sort of seek the proof of concept in your lab, your advisor's lab. How did you sort of came to these conclusions and sort of how to do that? Like, how do you know after just after your PhD, how to build a company that can preserve its scientific advantage for 20 years? I just knew. <laughs> I don't have a way to answer that. So it's, it's something you took, you mentioned no, that. You mentioned that as a postdoc position in the uh, in in Professor Shoham's lab, you saw startups rise and fall and saw mistakes done by others. So is is it just being aware and like open to learn from that really for help you to form those conclusions of this is what I think is a healthy experiment? Because again, like people who have not planned an experiment in industry level do not know how precise you have to be. This and that has to be done in this and that amount of time. And it will it cost me like that? And the cost effectiveness of that will be like that. Everything has to be calculated for. I think it really helps that I'm a very calculated person. As I, as, as, as I said earlier on, I, I, set, I, I set goals and I can set them years ahead. Uh, that is how I'm built. So it was, it came naturally to me to think about, you know, when I, when we established Phytolon, so I didn't think about Phytolon in 2018. I thought about Phytolon in 2022. And when, when I thought about Phytolon 2022, I listed, I just wrote down, I sat with my notebook. I have a notebook that I take everywhere with me. I just wrote down, uh, uh, my goals for 2022. Mm -hmm. And when I complete my goals for 2018, they have to be so well established so that the 2022 goals will be easy to accomplish. Mm -hmm. And when you think about your child, your future child, how you envision it, and it's easy because it's not a real person. It's not a child with its own needs. It's, you know, it's a company that we build with, with our eyes. When, when we thought about the company that we want to build, we knew from day one, myself and Khalim, that we want to build a very healthy company. Healthy company is not just a quick and dirty POC company. Let's finish this POC to get the investors off our backs. It's a company that really knows how to, how to establish a scientific and a technological uh, 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 cornerstones when you construct a building that a building that uh, that you made to last, 
not a nice paper building, but a rock solid one. So when, so when you plan the foundations, you plan them very healthy in, in, in two aspects. First of all, scientific technological aspect, a very clean system that will not result in other regulatory hurdles or problems in upscaling. Now I've learned a lot from Yuval and from my experience in the academy on how to construct uh, technologically healthy systems using uh, good ingredients, but also cheap, not using molecules that are, uh, that are uh, presumed to be allergens, for an instance, mm -hmm. because we enter the food industry and you don't want to incorporate possible allergens in your ingredient uh, because it would uh, lower the quality of your product. Learning how to, how to address all of the regulatory questions of the product. Now that is a real shift in how you think because you know when we plan a fermentation we can say yeah let's just uh, you know throw a, throw a material x y z in it <clears throat> in phytolon it was no behind every every uh, um, every ingredient of our growth of our fermentation media there is a regulatory uh, backbone that will enable us to take this ingredient with us along the way so that we don't have to change uh, uh, the recipe of our media because it's a trade secret. It's part of our, uh, it's part of our, uh, of our intellectual property of the company's intellectual properties. Um, now this is on one hand. On the other hand, you have to build a, 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 a strong, uh, a strong, um, it's not just an economical, but, but strong uh, management for the company. Mm -hmm. Very organized in our financing. Uh, we needed to recruit board members and board advisors that can really help us to take the company to the next level. Because, you know, I can, I can make the best, uh, the best product in the world if we don't know how to sell it and we don't know how to market and we don't know how to negotiate with the big companies that will be our future clients, then we've done nothing. It was really important for both me and Khalim to learn as much as possible from our mentors in the incubator and from our, and, and from our industry mentors, especially the ones that we recruited for our board and for a board of advisors. So how long uh, were you at the incubator? Uh, we're still in the incubator. Uh, Faitalon's first uh, initial budget was um, uh, uh, was the Israeli Innovation Authority budget, and mm -hmm. uh, we are in a three-year biotechnology uh, uh, incubator plan. Right. So we'll be a part of the incubator at least until uh, until uh, July uh, 2021. But of course, that uh, didn't bother us from uh, raising external funds. Being an incubator company really, um, I think, really helped us. Uh, to found this company in a healthy manner. Oh, that's cool. So, and and you're located at uh, up north. Yes, uh, we're located uh, near Haifa, near the Technion, in a city named Yokneam. And um, uh, it was really it was uh, it was really important for us to uh, to be in the north of Israel and not to relocate. To, uh, uh, to the scientific park near the Weizmann Institute of Science, because um, uh, there is a lot of ideology in Python thinking about uh, where we want to establish ourselves 
being at the periphery, giving opportunities uh, to people in the, in the periphery to uh, uh, to be a part of this uh, of this uh, thriving biotech food tech environment, and um, really fighting for uh, staying in the north. I'm from the north of Israel. My family. I live in. A, I live 10 minutes from work. I have no traffic. <laughs> <laughs> when I need to pick up my girls from kindergarten, I go into the car at uh, at uh, you know ten minutes to four four p.m. I'm picking them up from the kindergarten. No traffic, beautiful scenery, green uh, green view. It's really amazing here. So just to make so just to put an emphasis to our listeners that you're brilliant scientists from academia who have not and like took one inch off your scientific integrity. On the contrary, you took it one step far farther as an entrepreneur, making science with an immediate impact that you can see translated. And at the same time, keep non-scientific values in hand as well, family, life, and stuff like that. So it's not that bad at like, <laughs> outside of the academic route people <laughs> I, I guess might consider this maybe god for sake <laughs> yeah i think you should consider this it's really nice <laughs> you know um my uh uh my team i have an amazing team at padalon really top scientists best people in in all aspects you know because we're an ingredient company that manufactures ingredients for food by performing fermentation to, uh, uh, to modified yeast. So we have genetic engineers, metabolic engineers, fermentation specialists, chemical engineers, biotechnology engineers, food engineers. And, <laughs> and so, so this is a really broad spectrum of science. And I feel privileged that I work with the best, the best team that I ever worked with. And being a part of a startup, you, you really need to understand that we operate as one body. We always support each other. You know, I'm a CTO, but yeah, I, I, it's, not, a, it's a, not even 12 hours ago, I was at the lab at 10, at 10 o'clock last night uh, to take a sample from the fermenter because I uh, you know we, we have a really good process and we want to sample it uh, once every uh, few hours and we need to see the, the results in our eyes. So I was in the lab at 10 o'clock at night uh, taking samples from the fermenter because we never, never, never uh, uh, lose, the, uh, lose the scientific quality. It doesn't matter if it's in the industry, but we're very, very scientific because we need to know that we do, that we do the right things. If we don't do the science properly, we have nothing. So, so, and by, by saying that we operate as one body, it means that, you know, people that have done many different things in their lives come to fight alone and then they realize that they can basically do everything. So we have, uh, so we have a food, a food engineer doing chemical formulations and we have a, 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 a fermentation specialist uh, working with, uh, with a genetically modified yeast. And uh, we have uh, the yeast people doing formulations when needed because we're one body and we're really operating towards uh, uh, towards one goal. You know, when our goal is always derived 
by one thing and one thing only, and we don't forget it. It's our time to market. Oh, that sounds amazing, Tan. If, if it's okay, um, I really love to know what is written. What is Fighting on 2022? So my vision, and I think that our vision as a founding team uh, is... Is, is to see Phytalon as an independent company with revenues. That is our goal. We want to manufacture. It means that we're constructing a company built to last. We have a solid base technology. We see ourselves as key players in this industry. We already get the sensation from our potential partners. We see the quality of our products when we compare them to the benchmark products today, nowadays. This is our ultimate goal. We're we're definitely going to go up as well. Yes, we can already (laughs) schedule for 20 for somewhere December, (laughs) Christmas 2022. We want to see it. Um, I have no doubt it's going to (laughs) happen. Yeah, I'm I'm very, I'm very meticulous as well. And Lena even, even more. So it's already written and it's on calendar, I guess. (laughs) You know, with COVID, <laughs> huh? who knows where, where we will be in 2022? I think that in the same chairs that we sit now. <laughs> oh my God! No, no, we, no, 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 no. We were we were four here. seconds we were four seconds away from an hour talk without saying COVID 19. Four seconds. <laughs> no, but you didn't ask me for one very interesting question. How do you raise funds during COVID? By Zoom. What do you mean? <laughs> So let's do it. Tal, yes. how do you raise funds during COVID, during COVID and during pandemic with kids and everything happens at the same place? Well, I think on the contrary to many others, I think that COVID really, really brought an opportunity to, to, to manage our time and our lives better. We're not busy traveling. We're not uh, traveling to our Tel Aviv offices. We're not traveling abroad to meet our partners. Now, on one hand, it's it's pretty sad and it's pretty tough because we need to manage huge and very important projects with um, with external bodies without being on site, without seeing the outcomes, without controlling the process. But on the other hand, I think this, this uh, this um, this really generated an opportunity to utilize our time better and to know how to work very focused. I think that COVID did really good to our industry, and it didn't hurt our uh, fundraising efforts. It was a bit scary at the beginning because uh, in uh, we actually launched our round in February of 2020. Um, so, so we started our fundraising in February of 2020, and from March until, until July, the market was completely frozen. We had no one to speak with. Um, all of the VCs really kept their money close so that uh, uh, to see where, where the market goes. But I think that I, I think that uh, this uh, this crisis really brought an opportunity to food science because it raised awareness of how important it was, first of all, to, uh, to, uh, uh, for each country to have a local industry and not just to be dependent on other countries. I think this brought a lot of money to, Israeli bio, to the Israeli biotech, mm-hmm. not just 
and I, I think it also uh, influenced uh, Israeli financial bodies to invest inside Israel and not outside of Israel. Mm -hmm. And I think it really rose people's awareness for, uh, uh, for healthy technologies. Yeah. And sustainable technologies. So what was very scary from March to July ended up as being extremely promising from July onwards. I think that the world needed COVID in a way to shake things up and to change things. Because, you know, throughout the history, I think that society always comes out stronger from crisis. And being scientists, we need to see this period of time as an opportunity to promote healthy and sustainable technologies. Wow, I, I love this optimistic slash practical point of view. And it's very, it's very important. Not, and again, it comes into your to the stamina you build along the way. Is that you have a you have a, a dream, you have a course that you set up with that that fulfills you both scientifically and professionally, and and you don't let this world worldwide crisis to deter you. You're on it, and and it's it could be. In that scale, it could be in a small internal scale. If I something failed, my project is not working. Uh, um, going back, um, my PhD. I don't know what to do after my PhD. I don't know what how to pick my PhD. All those are crises, small, small to the large, small scale to a larger scale. But as long as you're connected to, or uh, not connected, but you have defined what is the self you want to be, then you can steer forward. I think it, uh, it comes down to always be connected to the big picture. It is relevant both personally and professionally. You know, when you see yourself as uh, not, not only as, um, as, a, as an individual in a system, but as part of, 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 of a group tries to, to do something together, then first of all, it's easier because you don't feel that all of the, uh, the responsibility is on yourself. And, you know, crises are, I think that, I don't know, maybe, maybe just uh, looking at, at life and people around me really going through different personal crises. I saw that, I saw that, um, that the, uh, 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 that thinking about the larger picture, not just about me right now, but about myself as a person, as a woman, as a mother, as a scientist, in this world, really staying connected to the big picture and always uh, help my focus. It's a great advice. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, indeed. Tal, thank you so much. Really, this, aside from being, like, being great to reconnect after many years, so inspirational. And, and thank you so much, I guess. I'm sure you've touched a lot of uh, uh, open questions on our listeners, uh, on like listeners uh, and audience out there. Um, what can I say? I, I really, I'm really glad that you're part of the Israeli biotech because 
I'm proud of being an Israeli scientist, and uh, I wanna I wanna someday be again part of the Israeli biotech, and you setting the the foundation stones for other companies to build upon sustainable companies, sustainable science makes me optimistic as well, which is not a given. <laughs> <laughs> Ofer and Lena, I want to use this, uh, this platform to say one more thing, if it's possible. Everything is possible. Okay. <laughs> um, a part of my scientific job and technological job and, and all of that, I have a very strong vision about how I see the work environment in Israel or in, or in the world even. My goal is to generate a healthy and fun and, 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 and very... And very um, and very uh, um, I don't know holistic work environment, but more importantly, it must be free of gender or race. And I really want to say something to uh, 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 to the women listening now, wherever you are in this world, um, don't be afraid to step up and don't be afraid to say what you think. People will listen. Men will listen. Other women will listen. If you're smart and if you have something very important to say, or even not so important to say, I don't know, just say it. Be courageous. Don't be frightened of what people will think of you. Don't be scared of asking your partner to be an equal parent that will allow you to be not only a mother, but also a professional. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be afraid to pay for help for babysitters, for someone to help you prepare food or clean your house. You are not a superwoman. You're not omnipotent. You're not a God, you're a person. And if you want to fulfill yourself, you have to understand that you need to demand from your environment help. You can't do it all. You're just human. They're smart, they're talented, but just human. Once you recognize your humanity, you will be able to take all of the goodness inside of you and bring it to the world. So don't be afraid of your voice and don't be afraid to ask for help. That's great. Thank you, Tom. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. We can't do it ourselves. And, um, and I think being, having equal partners and, and, and being able to ask for help is, 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 is central to, to trying to, to succeed in the professional world. Um, and I, I think I'll take this opportunity to invite you to our um, academia group on Facebook, where we try to, to build a supportive environment for, um, for professionals, for PhDs um, around the world, and um, continue this conversation online uh, with anyone interested. Thank you, Tan. Thank you for this important words and perspective. And we wish you all the best. You're, you're changing the world. It's, it's, it's fantastic. Thank you, Ofer, and thank you, Lena. It was great.